1: We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe.
2: Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast Welcome to episode 109 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Jamie. I'm here with my co-host, Mary, and today we're talking about writing, which I feel is Ironic on a podcast because all we do is talk.
1: (laughs) That's true. Actually, podcast is a reason. Well, it's the main reason to do a podcast. You don't have to write. That's why
2: I podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I'm confirming. Me too. (laughs) It's so funny because our our guest today is Austin L. Church. Um, I'll give you guys his bio in a little bit, but I met Austin and you'll hear the the story of how we met is actually really, really funny and how we stayed connected. But I met him at the Convert Kit conference last year in Boise. He's a writer. Um, he's many things. But um, very first and foremost, he is a writer and um, a marketing strategist. And he loves writing. And so while I feel like I have a love-hate relationship with writing, because in my heart, I do really like to write. But it's such a long process that requires, I feel like, so much time and white space Yeah, he gives some really good tips like about how to streamline that process. So it's well worth listening to. But I don't know, I, I struggle. I struggle with writing just the time. I think it's really a time thing. It's the time. Yeah, because
1: I and I've been I mean, we've talked about this before. I've been journaling now, especially through all of this that's going on. Um, And I found it very therapeutic. But like, the time it takes, and I've actually come up with some things through my writing there that I'll be using to make some blog posts, and whatever, but the time it takes to convert it from, you know, just like ideas or feelings of thoughts, really, to something that that you feel is like ready for other people to read is it's long, it feels long.
2: Well, that's my writing process. So I mean, before I Started hashtag legal. I was a litigator, which is a trial lawyer, and so all I did was write documents to the court.
1: Yeah, that's why I was thinking, like, why, why aren't you,
2: why aren't you really a writer because of your profession? But maybe that's why I taught writing. I taught. I was an adjunct professor at Seton Hall Law School, teaching legal research and writing. I actually loved legal writing because that was my only job. It's all I did. I sat at my computer ten hours a day, and I wrote, and I didn't. I had no issue with that but when you have 75 other things to do carving out the space to sit and write and that kind of writing was different but I was a blogger like I loved writing I like memoir style writing I like writing and it's it's just I struggle because my process tends to be like I vomit all over the page and then I edit it a thousand times a lot of people edit themselves as they write it's I ta- I've I've taught hundreds of legal re- legal writing students. And so I've walked through like the writing process and everybody writes differently. Many people will literally not leave a sentence until it's perfect. Oh, wow.
1: No, even in that writing, that speaking and writing conference I went to last year, they said like your first draft is just your draft. There's a, there's a whole process that they go through, which was really cool. But you're not supposed to edit or like cross through anything because anything that you write in there could then flourish into something else.
2: Yeah, I think people lose steam when they realize the number of rounds of edits you have to do. And this is the other reason why procrastinating and writing don't mix. I'm an epic procrastinator. I will do things an hour before that they're due.
1: You would have been my,
2: my college
1: roommate, my freshman year college roommate, she would wait to write her expository writing papers until the night before. She would like go to sleep and wake up at like three o'clock in the morning, write her paper and give it to a friend for the nine o'clock class to drop it off.
2: Sounds like me. That would have been you. I wrote a talk in my dark bathroom at 5 a.m. before the talk at 11 a.m. once. Yeah, I swear to God. This is not good. This is what not to do. Don't, Don't do that. It's bad. It doesn't work. I mean- It works for me, but. (laughs)
1: Don't do that if you don't already know that it works for you. How about that?
2: But I need to, when I'm writing something particularly long, I need to walk away from it. I just wrote a chapter for a book and I gave myself a week and I had to walk away from it for like two days. So not having that space was would have been bad like my my chapter wouldn't have been as good so and I would say leave more than a week to write a chapter of a book as well yeah that yeah that
1: that also seems like cutting it cutting it well you have a lot of writing experience so that's something I only took one writing class ever like the only one I was required to take
2: I've only taken legal writing classes They're very different. And I teach legal writing. So writing like a lawyer is very different than writing other styles of writing. I know, because reading legal stuff is very different than reading. My writing style comes from the persuasive style, though. So writing, you know, motions or briefs that would go to the court that would essentially argue an issue and we would need to persuade. So that's a different style to write because I didn't learn to write in college. I actually didn't even learn to write until I got to law school. And so I learned that to learn to persuade through like an issue that we were arguing in front of court. So I think I write differently because of that. Yeah, that's
1: very different. <laughs> I don't write
2: like that at all. <laughs> I don't know what I write like, but it's not that that's a good skill to have, though. That's so interesting. I never thought about that. I guess I'm literally trying to persuade every time I write something.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I probably don't. I
2: probably I don't know what the opposite of that is, but i probably the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a small light bulb just went off. That's so interesting.
1: Yeah, it totally makes
2: sense. Because that's the point of what you do, right? Most of the time. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) not sure that it actually works. So when you sit down to write, do you have a set agenda?
1: Well, no. So I used to really avoid writing, actually. It's only very recently that I'm even really writing more consistently. And it's It's through journaling. I mean, writing, journaling, whatever. It's it's like a brain dump. Like I just write whatever I'm thinking. And then when I see cool things come up in there, I'm like, oh, yeah, let me write more about that. So it still starts as like a stream of thoughts. And I don't necessarily have a point when I like, so I don't, I'm not so good about sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to write a blog post. Let me like write these points. Sometimes I brainstorm topics, but other times I just pick it from whatever I've already been thinking about.
2: That's so interesting. I was going to ask you that because you're actually really good at sending out weekly newsletters. I get them. So
1: yeah, newsletters I'm pretty good at, I have to say, which it took me a while to start that, but they're short. I don't write like a lot in them. So they, it seems a lot easier for me to do that than to write a full blog post. Like I usually write something in the newsletter. Those I do pick a topic in advance. That's true. Actually, I pick something I'm like, okay, what do I want to share or talk about this week? Or like what worksheet am I sharing? Something like that. And then I'll write around, write around that. And I guess I have made progress because I recently switched earlier this year, I switched from MailChimp to ActiveCampaign. So I feel like that was like, (laughs) That was my marker. Oh, I'm like, I'm really steady at this writing newsletters things. Yeah, it's time for me to time for me to upgrade.
2: That's awesome. I'm getting there slowly, but surely. But yeah, I've made that a point. But I need to be better at like planning out what I'm going to write and when I'm going to write. It's the, t- it's sitting down to do it. That's the hard part. Yeah. Well,
1: recently, like for the weekly newsletters I used to, and I do sometimes like I'll, I'll map out the topics that like a month in, in advance, um, like for the four week. Cause if you look at it, it's like four newsletters, like, okay, what stuff am I creating this month? Or what am I talking about, whatever. But recently, I'm like, being very rough about that, because things are changing so much all the time. And then I just the week that that newsletter is supposed to go out, I've just been writing, I'm like, I just block off time. And I say, okay, I need a newsletter. And I know it's going to go out Thursday, so it's a little bit, it might feel a little more towards the procrastinating. And then I'm like, then I don't have time to like edit it a million times and all of that. I've actually, I've actually been doing them the day before. So Wednesday is my day that I know I have to do the newsletter.
2: But I don't think you have to over edit your newsletters. Um, No, no, no.
1: But just like, I don't have it taking up space in my head like a few weeks before. I'm just like, okay, it's Wednesday. What am I going to write for this week?
2: Yeah. All right. I need to start doing that better. (laughs) That's my promise
1: it's really just, it It just took a while to get used to, but now that I'm used to it, it doesn't seem like much. And yeah, it's a newsletter. It's not the same as like a blog post, you know, it's not, it's not as well, at least mine. Some people put, I mean, some people have great newsletters that are really like in depth and have all these different sections. Like I, I love actually, um, my friend, Ashley feinstein Gersley's money musings, the fiscal femme. She has like a money move of the week. She has all kinds of stuff in there. Those take a lot of time. Like I'm like, wow, that must take a lot of time because it looks so great. You know, mine is just like usually like a couple short paragraphs and some kind of piece of content for people
2: but I'll, I'll read yours.
1: Yeah, that well, yeah, that so I try to keep it short for that reason. But also for me, because I'm like, I'm not going to be able to sit down and do a bunch of stuff, you
2: know? Yeah. All right. This is my promise to do that. And I'm going to take all of Austin's amazing advice because it is very good advice. And I'm and we'll going to Yeah, he's definitely he's he's got good stuff. So I'm going to tell you guys a little more about Austin. Um, and then we'll go on to the interview. Austin L. Church is a writer and brand strategist. He lives with his wife and three professional mistake makers, that being his kids. (laughs) I relate, Austin, in Knoxville, Tennessee, near the Great Smoky Mountains. After getting laid off during the recession back in 2009, he accidentally started his own freelance writing business, which eventually took him into selling an array of creative services, then developing iOS apps, then co-founding a tech startup, and then finally starting a branding and marketing studio called Balernum. AustinLchurch.com is where he shares what he's learned, and he has a new course called FreelanceCake.com. And it is a business growth course for freelancers and consultants who want to make more money and enjoy more freedom at the same time. And now on to the interview. I am so excited to be here today with Austin Church. Austin, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, this is a good chat. Um, I think first I want you to tell our audience who you are and what you do. But then we absolutely have to get into the story of how we met.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So, I am Austin L. Church. I include the pretentious middle initial because otherwise I'd be confused online with all of the churches in Austin, Texas. So, please don't judge me too harshly about the middle initial. I am a husband and a father and a brand strategist and writer. I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, Jamie, if we have to go there, we do. I will tell the story. So, we were both at Craft and Commerce in Boise, Idaho in 2019. And it was the final party. Part of the deal there is that everybody gets a couple of drink vouchers. And so, I was standing in line behind a woman. I was not sure if she had ordered her drink yet. And so, I leaned forward and said, Excuse me, ma'am, are you in line? And The woman in question, I mean, I could see her stature like increase. She bowed up, she turned around, and she looked at me with this look. And I mean, it was like getting caught talking in class in high school (laughs) or something. And she pinned me with this stare and she said, did you just call me (laughs) ma'am? And the polite southerner in me, I think, took a few steps back. And then I was able to regain ground when I said, I'm sorry. I'm from the South. It is a polite term that we use for women of all ages. <laughs> Please <laughs> forgive me. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but you laughed and we started talking and the rest is history. And I love the New York attorney in you. And I think you can appreciate the um, polite, overly polite Southern strategist in me.
2: I We became very fast friends after that.
0: Well, there's nothing like <laughs> there's nothing like bumping into some of those uh, cultural or regional differences yes. to either you have to sort of repair the breach very quickly or you part ways very very quickly, right? We
2: we laughed very very hard. And then we ended up chatting for some time and I'm very excited because we are both attending that conference again this year.
0: We are, and you were very helpful with a course that I worked on. You delivered so much good advice about everything legal for online creators and freelancers and consultants. So thank you for that.
2: Yeah, no, I loved appearing. And I want to talk more about that course. But before we get into the course, I want to talk about writing. Um, Obviously, from everybody hearing the way Austin told that awesome story, you guys can tell he has a very good way with words. Um, And one of your gifts is writing. And so that is something I think that many entrepreneurs or business owners fear is writing, particularly when it's not In your skill set when you're writing either about yourself or writing about your brand, that's a real art. Um, And so I'd love to talk a little bit about some of the work that you do and then some advice we can give to uh, our listeners about becoming better writers. Um, So I want to hear a little bit more about your founder story because it's pretty interesting.
0: Sure. So I never wanted to be a businessman. And if you had tapped me on the shoulder when I was in late high school or early college, I would have been very confused if you had told me what my future was going to look like. I wanted nothing more than to be a college English professor wearing tweed, suede elbow patches, smoking a pipe. I probably could have done without the beret, but that's what I thought my trajectory would be went and got my master's in English literature, focus in creative writing, and sure enough, they weren't hiring poets. I mean, I, I don't think Shocking. I Shocking. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was like the last one to find out, right? But um, I got out of school and spent all of my savings in sort of classic dumb move and got back to Knoxville where I had moved for grad school, had no money, had to get a job, Got a job at a marketing agency as a writer and social media strategist. I was the youngest person there, so I guess they gave me the social media strategist hat because surely, oh, as the young guy, I would know something about Facebook, right? Anyway, nobody was more confused than I was when I liked it. I found myself loving marketing, loving branding. I found a very easy entrance through copywriting, copywriting for me, was more like poetry than prose. A headline, you know, has to carry a lot of cargo. And just like every word in a poem, it needs to have a lot of cargo. So it all started to click. It all made sense to me. But this whole idea of using my gift, my talent to make money was kind of new territory. And I felt very conflicted about that at first.
2: Starving artist. (laughs) It's like you're supposed to not make money from it. But it's okay. You're allowed to make money and do what you love.
0: <laughs> well, and if you are making money doing what you love, then not only is the making of the money a lot more enjoyable, but there's a lot more upside too. I think if we are constantly fighting ourselves as we're you know, sort of putting a living together, uh, we we have identity crises all the time. I I know I did early on, but when I finally gave myself permission to turn and and embrace the whole commerce side of things, not only was I able to embrace a whole different skill set, but um I was able to like pick and choose the product or sorry projects that really did line up with what I was passionate about, and things just took off from there.
2: That's I love that story because I think a lot of entrepreneurs take these really windy paths that maybe were clear to everybody else, but were never clear to us
0: <laughs> about where we need so to go. True, I look back at childhood, and I always had some little money-making scheme going on. My mom found this uh, pencil box stuffed full of cash. I think I I hadn't hidden it well enough because if she found it, that meant I failed at hiding, you know, finding a good enough hiding place. But she said, what is this? I had been selling origami at school.
2: That's incredible.
0: Because I wanted to buy fishing lures because I was obsessed with fishing and I would run out of allowance by day three every month and I needed money because I needed to feed this fishing addiction. And I should have known that I was doomed to be an entrepreneur. I should have known.
2: It was in you from the start. Eh, Sometimes we fight the things that we're meant to do. (laughs) We get in our own way. So how so you said you loved it. I mean, clearly, you continue to love it, because you've been doing it for so long and turned it into your own business. And then, of course, to teach others <laughs> how to have their own businesses. So I'd, I'd love to know, what do you what did you love about it? And why do you love writing um, on, from the business side, not necessarily from, you know, writing poetry, which I, I loved your analogy. And I want to talk more about that. But what do you love so much about it?
0: I think writing gives us a way to make an impact. I think sharing our stories helps us to make a difference. And the vast majority of people I have met want to leave the world a better place. And our words and our stories are a way to do that. I think a lot of us, um, we're taught all the wrong things about writing. It would kind of be like being taught to run by having your arms tied behind your back. Or it's a three-legged race, but we call it running. And so... Writing is just another form of thinking. And if you didn't impose certain standards or certain um, aesthetic expectations on yourself when you sat down to write, it would be more like playing in a sandbox. Or as I often um, think about it for myself, I need to write so that I know what I think. And then once I I gain clarity around what it is I think, then I can layer on quality. Then I can think about style. Then I can think about humor and figurative language. All the quality comes in the edit. And so if we give ourselves permission to just sit down like kids in a sandbox and make messes, and just do stuff and you know as a kid you're like well this worked and that didn't and too much water there the whole sandcastle fell apart but just the right amount of water that iterative process is exactly what writing should look like unfortunately that's not what we're at least most of us most of us aren't taught that in school that writing is a lot like building sandcastles i find it very fulfilling to help people um, who are non-literary types, become confident, prolific writers, and enjoy it a lot more. That is one thing I do from time to time. And then in terms of writing, like the intersection of writing and business, so many of my business goals have been powered by writing. And that's everything from blogging or even writing projects I've done for clients, email marketing, product creation. I mean, I mentioned the course, I wrote out all of the scripts before I recorded them. When we have this really robust and satisfying writing habit, it opens up all of these other doors to us. And I just would love to see those doors open for more folks.
2: So it sounds like to me, your piece of advice is dump it on the page. Don't worry about being perfect. (laughs) There's beauty in the mess (laughs) Um, and stop self-editing so much.
0: (laughs) We all have that. I don't know if you remember in the cartoons where the, the main character would be about to make a decision and then a little angel and a little devil would pop up on either shoulder, right? We have a little grammar teacher who's like, Mm-mm, that's a passive voice verb, or Mm-mm, that is garbage. That doesn't sound like what you meant to write at all, does it? Mm, you are a failure. Like We are so self-critical in the early stage where that is so um, unhelpful. It clogs the flow. When it was Hemingway, I won't use his exact language, but he basically said, everything at first is crap. Anne Lamott came and said it in a much more pithy way in her book, Bird by Bird. But if you said, I'm going to sit down and produce some crap, and then I'll figure out what I'm trying to say, and then once I have some inkling of what I'm trying to say, then I can polish it up. And did you ever have one of those rock tumbling kits as a kid? No. No. Well, you know, they give you some rough crystal and then you put it through this little process and you tumble it and it sort of simulates what a stone would do in a mountain stream. That's what editing is. It's just rock tumbling and eventually you polish it up, right? So I think a lot of people have breakthrough when they come to see writing as this process that has multiple stages. Each stage has a different goal. The goal of stage one is just get some crap down. And once once you've got it, then you can tumble it into something.
2: It sounds like um, having a journaling habit would be pretty helpful in that, uh, in getting comfortable with being uncomfortable with what first appears on the screen when you start to write.
0: Totally agree. I think that writing longhand is one of the best unkept or maybe it's, you know, it it is one of the best kept secrets of prolific writers because... I have this theory, and I won't unpack the whole thing, but most of us can type really, really fast. And we longhand forces us to write much more slowly than we can think. It actually gives us an extra second or two to gather our thoughts. I don't think it's any surprise that a draft you write longhand, even though quality isn't the goal with drafting, the drafts that we write longhand – tend to be a lot higher quality than the ones we type.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I remember even back in law school, because when I was in law school, we wrote everything, which just makes me sound very old. But <laughs> we hand wrote everything. We hand wrote our exams. Um, and it the change, it actually flipped over when I was in law school and I took the bar on a computer and I could feel the change from when I was long handwriting things out versus when you're typing. Um, And it's the same. I handwrite. I handwrite almost everything. Uh, I tend to not, I keep a million notebooks. They're everywhere. Uh, And that's how I keep my brain organized as much as this mess is organized. And it it makes a huge difference.
0: I agree. When I am problem solving, like when I need, when there's, a business challenge, or there's a relational challenge, or I need to learn something new. I will pull out a journal. And the cool thing about writing, especially if you understand that writing is inherently wasteful, you don't need to save most of what you produce. It's just a way of thinking So you don't go into a conversation at a coffee shop with a friend thinking, let's make this conversation efficient, (laughs) right? So what if we brought that same sort of, what if we embraced waste with journaling and with writing? And when you sit down to journal, if you're solving a problem, hey, I need 10 new clients this month what are all the different ways that I've gotten clients in the past that might work for me again? And that may be a bad example, but journaling is just, uh, it's ultimately about creating space, which even opening your computer cannot do because there are too many rabbit trails. But um Maybe you can tell I like writing. Yes. Okay.
2: So what's your process um, when you're going to sit down and say a new client comes to you and you're going to do some writing for them? What does that look like?
0: So if it's a branding client and they need something like, hey, we need a really powerful brand story or we need um, we need to unify our messaging across all of our platforms, we'll typically start everything with a brand workshop just to pull out all of the raw material most people have incredible stories. Most founders have incredible stories. And even the fearless founder interviews that I've listened to on your podcast, I'm just amazed at how interesting people are. And yet, when we sit down to write our own brand story, or even write our bios, we always make ourselves sound more boring than we really are. It's so true. And so we have developed tools and experiences to help people get out of their own way so we get that raw material. And then we just sort of um, run that through the paces. With, uh, with my own writing, I'm almost always working from a table of contents. I've found that there are, uh, it, what was it, sit down to write distractions, invite, It is so true that when you sit down, you're like, I'm going to write something. That's when you get the text message. That's when you want to go get the extra cup of coffee. That's when, you know, you're like, well, maybe I'll go for a walk first. Right. But I've realized with my own writing practice, I need to make decisions now that are going to make hundreds or thousands of decisions for me later. I always listen to the same music. I always try to write in the same place. I turn off notifications and the ringer on my phone. I use this writing app called Ulysses. I already mentioned that I work from an outline. So that way the night before I'll know what I'm going to work on the next day. This is going to sound funny, but I use a, a physical printed planner and I'll have whatever writing projects, whatever bits and pieces I need to cover written down, so I don't have to even open up like a task management or project management app to know what I'm going to write about again, that one little decision has helped me avoid going down rabbit trails. Well, I'll just, I'll check my email quickly. (laughs) You know what I mean?
2: Yes, I do it all the time.
0: Or I'll cross off these other five, 10, 15 minute tasks first and once I sort of clear my my mental workspace, I can really get down to business. And so I've, I've realized that's not true. I've told myself those lies enough over the years that I now know them to be what they are. I have to write first thing in the morning, or it usually doesn't get done.
2: That is amazing advice. Um, I follow like, Half, (laughs) but I already have things that I need to implement. But, and in my head, I was like, yeah, I totally need to do that. That's really good tricks. One thing I have learned very recently is what you just said about listening to the same music, being in the same place. Um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's like a productivity expert, and it's something that I frequently struggle with. And she said, Where are you most productive? And the first thing I said was like on an airplane and she's like find why that is and recreate it at home <laughs> and put yourself in that position and then put all the tasks in place and it makes a huge difference
0: it's almost like scaffolding having the right structure in place to actually facilitate the type of fruitful work that you really want you have to you have to know your own scaffolding I know that what my writing practice looks like has changed from one season to the next in my life. And I have to get my run in in the morning and I have to get my write-in in in the morning or it's just not going to happen. And that's because we have three young children. If, you know, one of your listeners is in a different season of life, then their writing practice might look a whole lot different. I will say that the more decisions you can remove from the equation the better it's almost like are you trying to run through a field of briars or are you running on a straightaway on a country road you you will be able to run faster in one environment but you have to you have to proactively remove impediments
2: and figure out what that looks like for you. Cause it's different for you. Yeah. It's like my airplane.
0: <laughs> well, it's different you have for no everybody. Wi-Fi, right. And maybe you put on big chunky headphones and you can put on um, your stink eye. And that way people know to not try to start conversation with you. Maybe that's why you fly first class. I have friends who count on, productivity on airplanes. So they intentionally fly first class, and they'll pick a seat all by themselves. And that way, they don't have to talk to anybody. And that's how I wrote two chapters in my book on my flight from New York to Los Angeles.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, I also know for me that it's I have a finite amount of time, and I've already set my tasks exactly what you said. So I know I need to get these three things completed in this three hours that I'm on this flight, and I want I want to check them off my list. And I have I may have Wi-Fi, but it's not great. I'm not sitting in my email. I'm not surfing the web. I have music. I have headphones. I'm not talking to anybody. I can't make any calls. I'm not going to pick up my phone. All of those things, um, and that's what it is.
0: That's a really good example and one I'm going to steal and not give you credit for. It's all yours, but you have to give me credit. <laughs> I will, I'm just kidding. I will give you credit. But, but you know we were talking about make the decision that makes 100 or 1,000 other decisions for you. The air, an airplane is a perfect example of that. You can't receive calls, text messages. You can't usually stream Netflix. And so because all those choices are taken away from you you end up doing the thing that you really wanted to do to begin with. And so I think I think improvisation does not equal freedom. Makes me think of this quote from W.H. Auden. He says, routine in an ambitious man or woman, I'll add that, um, is a sign of intelligence or maybe it's maturity.
2: It's something. <laughs> I agree. Routine is is complete important. It's so important. You even see it with kids, right? You mentioned you have three kids. I have two kids. And my kids flourish most in routine because you know what to expect. You know what's going to be happening. And it actually enables so much more creativity.
0: There's a reason that meter and rhyme schemes exist in the realm of poetry, right? Like all great art, grows on a trellis. And I think great business needs structure too. And so it should come as no surprise that adults and children, in order to do our best work, in order to make our highest and best contribution, we have to pick our scaffolding.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's just, it's such good advice. So let's lead into and talk a little bit about the course you created, because I'm sure that that took, that was sort of a different vehicle for you, right? So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, um, what the course is, who it's for, um, and what made you go about creating it?
0: Is it okay if I give you just a little bit of backstory about my failure?
2: Yeah, of course. We love talking about failure here. I talk about it all the time. So let's do it.
0: So my course was an embarrassment to me because I tried and failed to launch it to finish and launch it in 2018. Going back to like meeting goals, creative goals, writing goals. I I, I compared and contrasted. Okay. 2018, 2019, 2018 was a failure. 2019 wasn't. What was the difference? I realized that I committed to minimum viable progress that a lot of things ended up taking longer than I, than I would have thought even writing a blog post or writing a paper or writing um, a really thoughtful email usually takes longer than we think with the course. It's called freelance cake. One of the things that I did differently is created a written plan And then I tried to identify every single one hour block because I'm running two businesses. And like I said, we have three professional mistake makers at home, three startups, right? And then all of these other things going on in our lives. Part of the reason I failed in 2018 is I dramatically underestimated how long it was going to take me. Because I was working from a written plan last year, because I gave myself permission to only make incremental progress, one hour of progress each day. Ironically, I finished, I actually launched the thing. And again, like doing a sort of postmortem in a positive way. I'm like, what was different? You know, what would I pass on to anyone else out there trying to create and launch a digital product? And it came back to, well, double your timeline, and break down the whole project into one hour increments. And then when you wake up on a Monday, do one hour and that's it. If you have more time, if you have more margin, great. But I I did launch it. And like I said earlier, you were so gracious to share your expertise around – Agreements and contracts and that sort of thing. But I finished Freelance Cake launched and it was just so validating because it, I was very embarrassed in 2018. And so it felt like vindication.
2: (laughs) Well, we talk a lot about, you know, in any long journey that relates to business or creation of anything products, whatever you're creating, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. And the best part of that. The downs is what you can take from it, um, so that set you up to succeed. And so I think, f- and many ele- and many times, failure is a really good thing. Uh, and in the end, it's not so much failure; it's just lessons learned because you didn't know any better.
0: That's right. And I mean, the the big takeaway f- for me from Freelance Cake is you can accomplish just about anything one hour at a time.
2: That's so true. It really is. It's, I mean, it's how I time block my calendar. Uh, Otherwise I'd have a list, a thousand numbers long, but if I just take them one at a time, that one hour at a time, that one task at a time, it makes everything feel so much more manageable.
0: I think there was something that switched, um, toggled over in me at Craft & Commerce where we met last year. And that was looking around, Thinking I'm 37. I'm not going to be the overnight success I've had I've already had a lot of success, but I'm not going to be the 23 year old YouTube mega celebrity Um, that ship has sailed and if What's standing between? Me and what I really want in terms of long-term goals lifestyle Uh, financial independence, if what's standing between me and those goals is just a long chain of one hour blocks, I can do that. So I think realizing that I think I pulled in a little bit of old man wisdom. (laughs) I
2: like it. I really think, though, that there's kind of no such thing as overnight success. You know, when you really look at the not the 23 year old YouTuber, I'm going to put them aside because i think that's just a different animal but when you look at some of the business people who've made great successes and you really look deeply at their stories they're like very long roads and journeys um to get where they are i think there's so much more in that long journey than a quick viral video that isn't necessarily indicative of what 10 years from now will look like
0: that's right Uh my wife Megan is very. She's a very wise person, and she asked me one time, "What would you start doing right now if you knew your circumstances weren't going to change for a long time?"
2: Hmm. That's an interesting question.
0: My first thought was, "I'm so glad I married you." <laughs> <laughs> you are you are uh, so much wiser than I am. Uh, but then, I, when I really got to thinking about it, I realized. I already know what I want to be about. And even, I mean, going back to writing, if I want to publish books, the only way to get there is to commit to writing, let's say, three to 500 words a day.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's those small steps.
0: That's it. And so if if I'm not doing that right now, why not? I, I meet a lot of folks who they know what they want to do, but they haven't yet adopted the daily practice.
2: That's what it's all about the practice. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. This was awesome. I feel like we could talk about this for probably the next two hours. So we're going to have to have a drink at craft and commerce when I see you and continue this conversation. Um, and see what, what other how, what other names you can call me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: Grandma. Yeah, um, exactly. exactly. going to get a drink or not? <laughs> get it. out of the way. <laughs> I love it.
2: Please tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find your course. Um, we'll drop all these links in the show notes as well.
0: Sure. So my blog is austinlchurch.com. The course is freelancecake.com. And then all of the brand strategy stuff happens at Balernum, dot com, And you can find me in my pretentious middle initial at all of your local social media sites. Awesome.
2: Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. You had some really awesome insight and wisdom about the writing process, which I think a lot of people avoid, but I feel like you made it feel really manageable. So thank you.
0: It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: That was great. I'm definitely going to be trying to condense my process with some of his tips.
2: He's really smart. Like He makes you want to sit and write. And he's fun. Uh, his story about how we met is honestly one of my favorite stories of how I've ever met anyone. So, um, I'm glad he and I have stayed in touch, uh, and managed to be able to collaborate a few times. So yes. So we would love to hear how you use writing. If you use writing, if you love writing, let's talk all things writing in the Fearless Business Podcast HQ. That is our Facebook group. You can find us by searching Fearless Business Podcast or you can find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And we love reviews. So feel free and drop us a review as well. Leave us reviews. And I will
1: say now is a time to to be writing. We're all home. Like if it's something you feel like you wanna be more connected to, it's never too late. I agree completely. Okay, talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com.
2: And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time.